So welcome to another episode of Cold Takes. I am your host this week, Samantha Zessi, producer of Masculinity Podcast. And joining me today, always a pleasure, is Herman Villegas, producer of Modern Manhood. Hope you guys have been catching up on all of the episodes. Hey, Herman. Hey, Samantha. How are you? Good, good. I'm excited to get to all of these super hot topics, like yes. very hot topics. 100%. Um, yeah, so this is going to be good. So on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about a lot of things, but among those, the Oscars snubbing, right? Like who won, who was nominated. It was, it's kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and some things, some important movies were recognized. Some were not. Um, some important directors recognized, some were not. So we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about women talking actually, which is was one of the Oscar nom- nominees and one uh, Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, Chris Rock has a new Netflix special out. Um, selective Outrage. So we'll definitely be getting into that. He finally addresses the infamous slap. And last but not least, we'll definitely be talking about Creed 3. Um, our people that I consider my friends in my brain, uh, Michael B. Jordan <laughs> and Jonathan Majors, apparently were amazing in this movie. I have not yet seen it, but I'm super excited to hear what you have to say about this, Herman. Like mm-hmm. they're apparently male relationships, brotherhoods, all of it. So uh, let's dive right in. Yeah, I'm so glad that you reached out. So you know, we're on Twitter all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, everybody's <laughs> right, right. You know, right. I was like, I'm gonna stop using it once Elon Musk has it, and here I am, just, <laughs> just still, <laughs> just tweeting, still scrolling. So, um, so you know, obviously, it took what well, took Twitter by storm last year. Um, this uh, ridiculous moment of the Oscars where Will Smith slapped Chris Rock after he made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith, um, his wife. And so this year, uh, as the Oscars uh, came back around, it was actually perfect timing, which obviously was planned. Chris Rock finally kind of came back on the stage and addressed in a new live Netflix special, which was Mm -hmm. kind of all the rage because it was the first time that Netflix had actually done a live um, uh, stand up uh, special. So, um, yeah, he came on. He had this like kind of whole show, right? You haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen right? it yet. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. I've so heard he goes much this... about it. <laughs> it's just like, okay. So, we, he goes through this whole show. And honestly, like, here's the thing the way that I feel about Chris Rock is that, you know, I, I didn't really care for him before Tambourine. Right. Like I thought that he was he made a lot of like sexist jokes, his racial jokes. Like I'm not a huge racial jokes fan in general, unless it's like really, really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally it was kind of like like black people versus N words and things like that. And I was right. like, who is this really for? You know, the kind of um, bigger and blacker, I think, is one of the main things. One of the main specials that everybody was like, oh, my God. Um, how do you do you like Chris Rock? So it's interesting because I remember Chris Rock from SNL. Like I remember his skits that he did in SNL um, for like he was like the he's one of the few black black uh, cast members in SNL as per usual. Uh, mm-hmm. still, that's still the case. Uh, there's not a whole lot of black people in SNL. Um, and it's interesting because I remember like the earliest memories I have of Chris Rock is it when he did um, 
he did a skit that he was he was being like a like a black power uh MC, like not an MC, like a talk show host. Um, and he would he would say these kind of like like race tinge jokes about like I just remember one joke specifically that was like that was like uh he's like we gotta bring we gotta we gotta um or he says something about oh yeah that's right he's like who is the man it's like the white man who invented pool where you you knock out all the like the white ball knocks out all the colored balls out of the table and the black ball is the last one and so <laughs> that's like the oh, one joke i remember <laughs> like chris rock making and he's like you know he created the uh what is it the black history month the shortest month of the year <laughs> like that is the <laughs> the chris rock that i remember um so i mean i have like an interesting relationship with chris rock in that sense of just by just knowing him as the guy who's like who creates these uh these jokes that are about about race and and in a very aggressive way yeah and uh, but then it's interesting because i'm like i'm curious about what you, what you have to say about him vis-a-vis not not versus but like comparatively to someone like dave chappelle because dave chappelle was kind of the same thing but in a different way um during that time maybe chris rock's a little bit older but like dave chappelle has i just remember when i was younger like dave chappelle was the was the guy to talk about race uh because he Mm -hmm. he you know felt like he had a nuanced understanding about race i feel like now you're like he has a nuanced maybe a positive nuanced understanding about race but not of anything else (laughs) in the world (laughs) yes that's exactly how i feel (laughs) um yeah, I mean, honestly, so basically with with Chris Rock, what's interesting is like I, I wasn't really like a Chris Rock fan. And then I saw Tambourine. It was like, oh, my God, like I love the special. He like talks about relationships and like I was all about it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about my takes on marriage and how I feel like the institution of marriage is a trap for women. I still feel that way, <laughs> even though I'm probably still going to get married, but whatever. Um, So like, you know. When when that happened and I saw that and was and connected to it, I went back and watched so many more, like basically the rest of his specials and was like, this is like so different from what he's done in the past. Like he's just mm-hmm. more thoughtful, more connected, more um, insightful and just empathetic about what women are going through, what black women are going through. And I feel like before it was more like, or maybe not black women are going through, but at least he tried to see the perspective. And I feel like before he was just kind of poking fun at them. And I feel like with this new special, he kind of reverted back to like his old ways. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when it comes to Dave Chappelle, um, you know, he's someone who he's just more like thoughtfully clever about his racial quips. Like he mm-hmm. thinks about race. So almost it's, it's, he's almost like a, like a, like a comedic scholar, if you will, around it. Yeah. Like he really kind of teases it out. There's like a, he has a very specific brand of comedy that feels I don't want to say academic, but definitely scholarly, right. Where yeah. it's like very thorough <laughs> and, you know, um, and so one thing that I, I think that they have in common is I do believe that their standups are mostly for white audiences. Like mm, I feel like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because when I was watching Selective Outreach, I was like, who is he talking to? Yeah, that was the that was the tweet that you said. It's like, who is this for? Who is this for? Yeah. Like, yeah. Talk to me like, more about that. Like, what, what's what, what are your thoughts? Well, I it felt like so one thing about it. I mean, I think, you know, everybody, a lot of people really focused on you know, him talking about the slap or whatever, but leading up to the slap, the slap is the very last thing that he talks about, understandably, mm-hmm. right? The the material beforehand, he has a, a material, 
I mean, a, um, a, a joke about Elon Musk and talk about how amazing Elon Musk is and how he needs to get get excuse the expletive, but like how he used he needs to get his dick sucked every whatever because of what he's done or whatever. Like just this weird like standing for this dude who is obviously a very, very controversial figure right now. For no sure. one gives a shit what you think about Elon Musk. Like no one cares. We're all here to hear, like to kind of find out what you feel about this, like incredible, like movie star that everyone loves slapping the shit out of you on live TV at the Oscars. Like mm-hmm. this, a lot of the things that he said were offensive, but also felt like throwaway jokes, you know, like he made, he makes a joke about abortion, like, Oh, women have the right to kill their babies. And like, I'm in no place to, um, um, to judge because I've paid for so many abortions or whatever. Like yeah, if you can yeah, afford saw. to, if you, if you, what did he say? He's, he's like, if you have to buy your, pay for your own abortion, you probably should get, you like, should not have the baby or something. It just shit that is like, you could choose. We've seen you be thoughtful about kind of like this brand of topics and you've just chosen to be sensational and biting and, and, and kind the of controversial for the, for, the, for the sake of it. For the sake of it. Yeah. For just yeah. the pure sake of it. And yeah. I was like, mm. yeah. Like, I wasn't really, yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting because, like, again, that's why I asked about the Dave Chappelle thing. Actually, no, let me back up. Like, it's interesting thinking about uh, comedians who either have gotten in trouble or who have had an incident happen. Like, Chris Rock didn't get in trouble. I think everyone was, when the slap happened, I think there was a lot of sympathy towards Chris Rock. And I think that there was a lot of sympathy of being like in, first of all, in that stage to do that. Um, and also um, that it felt like he was kind of defenseless and also like it took him by surprise. Like, like obviously like anyone, he thought it was good that Will Smith was going to go up there and like joke around with him a bit. Like, and, <laughs> I, and I thought so too. I thought that, so oh, this is, this is, this is a bit like, like this is like something's going to yeah. happen here. That's just like a, a really ridiculous, dumb thing, but it wasn't, it was very real. Uh I'm still thinking about it, and I'm just like, "How what a ridiculous moment!" It was so wild. (laughs) I know, just a ridiculous moment. Uh, But it's interesting how Chris Rock uh, shows to like it's been a year. It's been a year since, and and now he's like, these are the thoughts, the formulations of his thoughts during towards until that happened, and that this is the thing that he's that he has probably taking a year to kind of process and then to, to be to be um talked about later and, and the things that he said about it and i know you're not talking about the slap specifically but I, but like just because that was the comments that were coming out from the slap and i'm just like really you took a year a fucking year to think about this and this is the thing that you're going to say <laughs> i that i found wild to me because i was thinking of as well too for um like a season sorry. A season sorry. Um, you know, the whole thing about the date thing that happened with him and like that horror article that came out. And then um he was silent for a while and then he came out with a special on Netflix and he addressed it right off the hop. Like he addressed that thing right off the hop. He was he didn't make any jokes about it. He just said, Hey, this is the thing that happened. I was learning, I learned a lot from it. I I, you know, I don't want to talk about too much about it, but I'm just letting you know that this is the that that there's a lot about relationships and and things that I need to still learn about it. And I hope that everyone understands and move on. And then he just moved on to the rest of the thing. He didn't want to talk about it anymore. 
which is fine. His prerogative. I feel like a lot of people were there to ask to to get more about that conversation about that question. However, he moved on with it. That's fine. That's one approach. <clears throat> the other approach as well, too, like I'm thinking of Gerard Carmichael. And he, you know, like obviously nothing bad happened with him, but he he had a big thing to say. He had something very serious to talk about. And he made this special, a very intimate affair about this specific thing. And I think that's, and I'm like, that's another amazing approach about it. And that, that was that applauded, right? Um, even with Dave Chappelle, when he, after the George Floyd thing, he had, I think, I think it was like a short special that he did. And that was kind of applauded as well, being like, he kind of just laid it all out, like the, the, the ideas of race tension in America. And he kind of laid it all out in a, in a, in a smaller special um, and made the special about that. Um, Chris Rock had really an opportunity to just like look at all these things that have already happened, like all these specials that have already happened. Um, and in the people in his position and his amount of power, like Dave Chappelle, um, like a season, sorry, and just and maybe even make the special about like, like, you know, even just the idea of like toxic masculinity in the world, like what happened within like myself and like Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith and what, and how, like, not even just how ridiculous it is, like how like yeah. absolutely what a ridiculous moment that actually was. He could have played that up completely. He was a freaking at the Oscars. <laughs> It was like one of the whitest institutions. Like he could have easily played that up and he just did it. And it's, it's, that's the thing that's frustrating to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, one thing, so one thing that he did address, which th this is the only part of the special that I was like, that I was like, okay. He says, he's like, I love Will Smith. I love Will Smith. Like he is, he would like talk basically about how he was in, like inspired by him and how he's like, you know, like him as an actor mm -hmm. and like kind of like him as like him being a fan of Will Smith. And that was the moment that I was like, okay. So you took us through this whole journey, right? Underneath that is like this pain and this hurt because you were assaulted by like, you know, so, quote unquote, one of your heroes, if right. you will, you know? And I, and I, and I completely like agree with what you're saying, because I feel like these other kind of like comedic formats or the comedy show formats would have worked really well to just have that conversation of like what it's like as a grown ass man to be slapped by your hero in front of all these people, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. it was, but instead it was like, he made that comment. Most of the conversation that he was having was really, he was like calling, you know, Jada Pickett Smith, all kinds of bitches left and right or whatever, like how it wasn't about him. He was talking about what's Will Smith's own manhood and about the entanglement. He was like kind of like gossiping around the situation mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was kind of like, like, yeah. And I, I really actually, so this article, I didn't actually love like the art, the New York times article. It was mm -hmm. released like right after it was like the, one of the first opinion pieces. Um, and I didn't particularly love because I feel like he was like, yeah, like, Chris Rock really got like his lick back or whatever. He gets his revenge and stuff. And I'm like, does he really though? Mm -hmm. Or is he just kind of like, he's like venting on stage, which I understand, but it's like, that's not really, 
kind of great comedic fodder, right? Like that's not really great, like comedic material. And for, from somebody like Chris Rock, who's like literally like a veteran comic, you just expect something a little bit more thoughtful. And I feel I like, you know, the same. I thought the same. Yeah. I'm just like, like you have been in the stage for decades now, man. Like, like this is something I hope that you would know well to do. And yeah. um, I love that other article that you sent out about how, um, Yes, Chris Ross producers failed him with his this is yes. a comedy special about how, like, yeah, I think the idea of having it in a huge stadium and having that kind of that bigger and blacker kind of idea in them to talk about something that's probably a little bit more intimate. Yeah, I think that 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 would have definitely changed the tone of it and and the idea, like, yeah, like like I said, like the the Dave Chappelle thing that what he did. Um, was a little bit more intimate. Draw Carmichael again was a little bit more intimate. Um, like, yeah, I think that you would have gotten a different Chris Rock in that perspective. You would have got a different, um, even more, more, even more solemn, even more thoughtful. Um, and I know Chris Rock is like the cross, the Chris Rock that we think about is not the thoughtful thing is the brash one is the aggressive one is the one that's like, that's talking a lot. He is kind of the, um, and, and it's unfortunate to say, but he is kind of like the embodiment of the of the loud black man, um, which is it's really interesting. I don't know what your thoughts about that, because I think I think for wide audiences, I think that Chris Rock is that the the the, mm. the, the loud black person. And I and it's it's kind of unfortunate because I'm just like this would have been a good opportunity for for that image, that that kind of angriness to just kind of. Like we we kind of expected an anger from Chris Rock, and and I think he just delivered that. <laughs> he just kind of gave it to us instead of just like flipping the script a bit and and even coming out bigger like a bigger man. Like I have, I have less sympathy now from Chris Rock than I did when the slap happened. You know what I mean? Like like it mm. it seems like there's more anger that's tiled up into this. He could have easily come out as the the bigger man in this person. He could have easily come out of this like like being a person that a lot of people respect and a lot of people were just like, wow, you you thought about this thoughtfully, how you thought like, hey, you you decided to either forgive Will Smith, forgive Jada Pinkett Smith, or even just talk about the ridiculous of the institution of what the hell just happened. Like yeah. if he just talked about that, I think they would have gotten a lot of praise for that. And, I, and, and instead of just trying to make this into this kind of petty soap opera. I'm just like, I don't care. I don't care about Will Smith. I don't care about Jada Pinkett Smith. I don't care about this like drama. Like this is none of my business. But like if you talk about like the Oscars or movies in general, or even just you on a stage presenting something. And like, even just to think about like you presented this as a document, uh, the documentary thing. And the person who won was Questlove. I'm just like, like you took away, this took away the attention from yeah. Questlove. I'm just like, yeah. This is a perfect opportunity to talk about that. Like, mm-hmm, <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. that, that a black person's anger and supposed of anger, supposed of violence has overshadowed uh black excellence. Like that is a very, very important talk. That Chris Rock, you would have been perfect to talk about that. Like it, it just it nobody has. Like it, it that's that's the disappointing thing to me. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And I really feel like that actually really brings up this question again of like, who did you do this for? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, you are playing directly into like the stereotype, right? Like bigger and blacker about this conversation. And then he ends the special spoiler alert. He ends this, but I hope that's okay with you. That's okay. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't care too much he, about spoilers. Go for it. <laughs> okay, awesome. He go, he he ends the special by saying, you know, my my mom and my parents taught me that we you know we shouldn't fight in front of white people. That's what he says, and I'm like, <laughs> you spent the whole special doing that. <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. After talking about Elon Musk, after talking about all these like ridiculous things and like just literally trying to be as we like as um not reactionary, but trying to incite a reaction out of everyone. Right. Like it's not like anything that you said. That That's the thing that really got me. I was like, w- like for all the conversation that you talk about, you know, us black folks doing this or whatever, like what, how is your special elevating black people right now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if you're coming out and being the stereotype kind of like, you know, somebody said something to the effect of like, this felt really like far right. Like it felt white supremacist in a weird way. And it was weird because it was Chris Rock delivering this. Like, mm-hmm. and I honestly couldn't help but agree. I was like, this sounds like something that you would hear out of like Louis CK's mouth, mm-hmm. you know, who, mm-hmm. by the way, I mean, I don't know if you saw that clip of, cause the problem too, is that I watched this. I've saw, after I saw a clip of, um, it was like a couple, I think it was like five comedians, including James, Jerry Seinfeld was there. Chris okay. Rock was there, Louis CK and Louis CK is throwing the N word just around. <laughs> and Chris Rock is just like, kind of like talking with him or whatever. He's like, yeah, I love, I mean, I say it more than blah, blah, blah. Like talking to some other white comic who I don't know. And Jerry Seinfeld is the only person who is like incredibly uncomfortable in this situation. And I'm like, how is Jerry Seinfeld the one that's uncomfortable? And that's how I was like, and so that really colored, I think probably mm-hmm. my experience watching Selective Outrage because I was like, okay, so first this weird clip. And then now you're like, just touting like weird, like patriarchal supremacist bullshit. Like I was like, mm-hmm. I was done. So yeah, it's a bummer. He got me with Timberine and he lost me with selective <laughs> outrage, like all the way. So <laughs> are yeah. there like, you, do you think that there is, <clears throat> I'm sure there is like, but there are there, are there black comedians or black entertainers that you are really proud of? I mean, I know we talked about Gerard Carmichael. I think he's definitely doing one of the, like he hosted the Golden Globes this year and he really like did a great job, I think, doing it. Um, but do you think there's any other ones beyond Gerard Carmichael that that you really uh, love to see more of? Um, oh, Jesus. I, I, I know, I put you on the spot there. <laughs> I was just thinking if you had some off the top of your noggin. That's a good question. Um, to be honest, like one of the comedians that I love, love, love is Janelle James. Mm. I love her in Abbott Elementary and I love her as a comedian because she just talks about, I don't know, her. she's like irreverent, but she's not offensive. Mm-hmm. You know, she just is like, she just brings up, she like talks about things that you want to hear about. She talks about being a mom. She talks, but doesn't talk about being a mom as a mom. She talks about being a mom as a woman. Mm-hmm. She talks about black folks. She talks about patriarchy. She talks about, but she's not like, you know, trying to be quote unquote political about it. The way that we use political these days, right? Yeah, when we yeah, talk totally. about people's identities being political, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So that's, that's someone who I, I, I really, really like. Um, unfortunately, some of the comics that I like, they're like more kind of um, 
they're not necessarily mainstream like mm-hmm. yet. You know, I watch a lot of like Netflix comedy, so I don't know all of their names. That's right. But I feel like a lot of the new comics that are coming out are just more thoughtful. Yeah. You know, yeah. and yeah. they're not hanging on to this like tradition of comedy that like anywhere, like anything goes. Oh, just kidding. My favorite comic is still Cat Williams. Oh, Cat Williams. Yeah. 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 He, I mean, he says some things that are a little bit off color, but one of the things that he said af- that I really appreciated after everybody was like talking about Dave Chappelle and his like anti-trans, anti-blah, blah, blah. Um, he said, you know, if you have to offend people to be funny, then you're not fucking funny. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of it. Like there is, you know, you're a comedian. Like that takes a particular type of skill. Like if you, if people, you got to move with the times, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you live, you don't live in a vacuum. And I, and I really appreciated that. And I feel like his comedy actually follows suit when it comes to that, which I appreciate. That's so, good. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. to see like the, <clears throat> the old guard of comedians, especially black comedians um, change. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, I'm a nineties kid. So I, I know like the Chris Rocks and the Dave Chappelle's and even just like people like Cat Williams or, um, gosh, <laughs> person who just like Bernie Mac, like, uh, just oh. like people I know, <laughs> I, yeah. I like, like those yeah. people are like, it's interesting to see, like, even just somebody like Chris Tucker, right? Like, like Chris Tucker has a new movie out, like coming out this year. And I was just like, oh my God, Chris Tucker, I totally forgot about you. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I, but it's interesting to see, like, like these comedians or these, the, the commentary from, from people from the nineties, like what we thought was revolutionary at that time, or what we thought was really provocative at that time now it just feels a little stale and just like, it feels a little bit different and it feels like not as um, thoughtful as it was before. And maybe it's just because of their age or maybe it's just because society's kind of just moved them forward that, that, that these kind of comedians are not as effective as they were before. And um, yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just life, I guess, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, you know, people do sometimes feel a little bit obsolete. Like I feel like somebody like DL Hewley, for example, mm-hmm, is somebody mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. I used to really like. And now I watch some of his comedy and it's all about like, you know, how, oh, there's certain things you can't say anymore. And it's like, okay, now that we know we've established that there's certain things you can't say anymore. Is it possible that you can talk to me about what it is that you can't say? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, can we move on from like just the outrage and the upset of like not being able to like do certain things, you know? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Um, I totally agree yeah. with that. Yeah. You know, I, I want to, I do want to talk about the Oscars. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about the Oscars. Um, so I didn't we're, watch, we're circling back, right? We're, yeah, we're circling back. This is our okay. circle back moment. Yeah. Um, so the Oscars, I never watch like award shows anymore. You know, I just find out what everybody was wearing and who won later. Is this like a a personal choice or is this like, just, they just don't have time to do it. I just never remember that they're on when they're on. I think I was like, you know, (laughs) doing something when they were on, you know, it was easier when I was on the East coast. Cause it Mm. didn't happen like smack, you know, whatever, (laughs) um, in the middle of like a Sunday evening and like mountain time, man. Mountain time is the best time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it is. 
Maybe it is. We're hella late on the West Coast. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, one of the things that I that I'm sad that I always do miss though is the host because I feel like you know mm-hmm. they kind of add you know like a, a special spice to it, which is you know why that happens and everything. Um, but yeah, the nominations were wild, and I mean, I know that I'm a little bit biased, okay, but I was. A lot of people were shocked, which made me feel good about my my biases about Woman King not being nominated. <laughs> about, you know, the director, uh, you know, uh, Gina not being nominated about um, there are some movies that I did not. The fact that there were no women directors nominated, I think people felt like was like it was kind of like. Almost intentional, because it's like you've got a bunch of like people in 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 different categories that obviously like were directed by women were written by women and everything so it's like you know like Sarah Polly not getting mm-hmm. uh, a director nom- like nomination and stuff like that it was kind of weird and then of course i mean i don't know if everybody uh saw that uh uh entertainment um weekly article Basically, uh, they have so they have I I did not even know that this was actually a thing until this like finding this article. But basically, um, they talked to uh, like the Academy Awards um, voters Mm -hmm. anonymously. One of the guy, one of the people that was, and they don't talk about like the gender, the race of the people, right. like whatever. They just say this person is an actor, this person is a director, this person is like a costume designer, this person is a whatever. So the actor who apparently is like kind of like a seasoned actor is talking about how he's liberal, but how wokeness has ruined everything. I saw this quote. <laughs> I just laughed. It's like, okay, so this quote is funny. It says, I, this is from the same article you said, this. I think the Academy is making an effort to please everyone and it's reflective of the state of the world, but I feel like they're being held hostage somewhat unfairly by the wokeness. Yo, what? And honestly, for me, what this highlighted is like, this is a perfect example of like liberals thinking that they're down quote unquote right like they're like with the shits and they're not right like when they start saying things like well we're trying to be inclusive you're trying as who white people so you are admitting that we're living in a white supremacy and you have to open the gates for people of color to feel understood and be and to uh, well, feel understood to be equal and have equity and like actually be have agency in these creative in these creative like fields like what is that what you're saying because you're calling it woke, but really what it feels like is, well, you're lucky to be here, first of all, and you're lucky that anybody is even entertaining you in this conversation. But what he said about Viola Davis, I mean, the way that he said it. Oh, so awful. It's so awful. So, oh, Lord. <laughs> okay, so here's the quote. Okay, um, so when they get in trouble for not giving Viola Davis an award, it's like, no, sweetheart, you didn't deserve it. To miss Egot Viola Davis. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Anyway, return to the quote. We voted and we voted for the five we thought were best. He finishes. It's not fair for you to start suddenly beating a frying pan and say they're ignoring black people. They're really not. They're making an effort. Maybe there was a time 10 years ago when they were, but they have, of all the high profile things, been in the forefront of wanting to be inclusive. Viola Davis and the lady director need to sit down, shut up and relax. You didn't get a nomination. A lot of movies don't get nominations. Viola, 
you have one or two Oscars, you're doing fine. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, okay. So sorry. Yeah, no, continue with your thought. Cause I want to talk a little bit more about this. this specific, no, no, t- this tell me, tell me. So you thought <laughs> you, you saw this on the Andrea Riseborough surprise nomination of two Leslie. Um, yeah. Do you know a little bit more about what happened there? Um, <laughs> Go ahead. A little bit like she yeah. campaigned or something. She had like all her famous homies campaign for her. Yeah. And so that's how she got a nomination. So I follow this like I I love the movies. I, I follow this podcast about movies. And so and the, ever since like, the, you know, from they're very big Oscar people and they're just like, you know, we're like seeing which movies are going to get nominated for Oscars. See who the people are getting nominated for best actors, best actress and whatnot. Um the two Leslie nominee, the Andrea Riseborough for two Leslie nominee came out of absolutely nowhere. No one was talking about this movie before the run up to the to the nominations. And even the host was like, this is weird. I don't know why this person's getting nominated for this, this movie. Like, And even at, after they got nomination, the, the host was like, I guess I have to watch two Leslie now because I have no idea why. Um, but so the idea is that Andrea Riseborough um, for this movie, two Leslie, um, there was a bunch of people, including some, including Edward Norton, who barely tweets at all. All of a sudden, uh-huh. tweeted was like, "Oh, by the way, I think Andrew Riseborough should be nominated." This is like ten days before the nomination. It's like Andrew Riseborough should be nominated for Two Leslie. Uh, and then I think another, I think Gwyneth Paltrow came out and said, "You know what? This there, I think Andrew Riseborough should be nominated for Two Leslie." Um, and so. <laughs> Yeah, Charlie's Theron had like a two Leslie screening. Um, and so all these people were like campaigning for um Andrea Riseborough to be nominated for two Leslie. Again, Andrea Riseborough was not was snubbed by the Golden Globes, snubbed by uh the Critics' Choice Award, snubbed by the Chicago Film Trade Association. No, she received a nomination for it. Um yeah, <laughs> she was snubbed at the SAGs, uh, and then she gets nominated for the Oscars. Um and then, yes, this year, Kate Blanchett mentions Andrew Riseborough in the Critics' Choice Awards acceptance speech. Um, and then she receives an Oscar nomination. And everyone's like, what the hell just happened? Who is because this person? Yeah. Viola Davis specifically, yes, was high up there to be chosen for the Women King um, for that specific nomination. Um, and I think another person as well, too, got messed out of that nomination as well. It wasn't just her. Um I don't remember who it was, was. but the, the other person who uh, benefited from this weirdness that was going on with the nomination specifically for Best Actress uh, was Anna de Armas for Blonde. Um, by the way, have you seen Blonde? No, don't I heard too many it. bad things. I was it's, like, I don't want to watch it. it yeah. I watched <laughs> half an hour of it and I was like, this is one of the worst oh movies God. I've ever seen. And <laughs> like, it is, it, it is, it is not even just bad. It is like supremely upsetting it is it is one of those things where wow. you're like i feel like i think people nominated anna the armist just because they felt sorry for her because she does a good job in the movie but it's just like an awful like movie that she has to be in to be because i'm just like she does a good job as marilyn monroe but like holy moly it is just like it's just the it is a trauma affair for this movie. I don't know. It's awful. I it, I, uh, I cannot believe that movie got nominated for an Oscar uh, for Anna the Armis. Um, and and, and to, to say this, and this person, this random voter, to be like, oh, we voted for the best five. No, you did not. 
<laughs> you got the you freaking did not. voters got got ousted by stupid like sponsored content was one person was saying it's like you guys got played by like by people just posting these these stupid tweets and these like these famous people it's like how dare you say that these people you voted and you voted for the five thoughts or you bought best like obviously there was a process here specifically with the best actress things how dare like how could this person even say this it's like insane an insane quote <laughs> it's completely wild like honestly i one of the things too that really struck me is that everybody is like I went through like a couple of sites to figure out like, okay, I mean, maybe only a few people think that like, you know, woman King should have been nominated or whatever, but across the board, everyone is like, what the hell? Like not even like, you know, not not an actor nomination, not, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, a screenplay nomination, like nothing. And then I didn't actually see till. Um, but one of the big misses apparently was also Danielle Deadweiler, who plays um his his mom, mm-hmm. um, Emma Till's mom. And I did not watch the movie because I have decided, like a lot of other folks have decided, that I don't want to watch any more movies about black trauma. Like I'm just like mm-hmm. emancipation, fair. I'm cool. So I thought that we were going to see whatever. I was like, I'm cool. I'm not trying to watch that. But actually, um, reading a little bit about uh, this kind of like snub, I found out that Till is doesn't actually lean on this black trauma. Mm-hmm. And so um, if like a lot of folks felt like perhaps that's why it wasn't nominated, that it was just like actually like a thoughtful movie about what this you know mother was going through when her son was like violently um, and hor- like just horrifyingly like killed. And, um, you know, it, it, that, that brought up questions to me about just general like the general vibe of the Oscars just in general, being anti-Black and anti-woman because it's a little bit glaring, right? It's glaring. It is glaring. Um, The one movie, too, that I thought was going to have more Oscar buzz that didn't, but a lot of people love, uh, was Nope, uh, Jordan Peele's uh, movie. Um, I thought Kiki Kiki Palmer was specifically... I thought I thought for sure she would get a best supporting actress nominee and she didn't. Uh that movie got completely shut out and I and I thought was undeserving to mm. be shut out. I think that movie speaks a lot to again, it's not a black experience, but a very specific experience about spectacle. And it's just it's a very nuanced movie. The more I think about it, the more I I really like it. Um and yeah, again, like Kiko Palmer specifically, I thought did amazing. And I I again yeah, was shut out for it too. And uh Jordan Peele as well, too. Like, like I think. Like even considering with, um, like I said, I, I listen to a lot of like movie podcasts, and a lot of them are like white guys. Uh, but even those guys were like, "Yeah, nope," is a a top five movie this year. Like I, I don't understand why it's it, like it should be um, regarded as such, and it wasn't. So yeah. again, just for this point. Like, just like oh, we bought it for the five best. Like get out of here. Like are you joking? <laughs> I mean, and it's. It's it's why well, because one of the other voters was also like, yeah, I'm not sure why like Woman King was in here. I wanted to see Viola here in there. And then, you know, and then, of course, you know, the Oscars happens. And then who wins Best Supporting Actress? Not Stephanie Sue, not Angela Bassett, but Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. everyone I mean, not everyone, but a lot a lot of people were like, what? Why? Why? Like why? Like out of everybody there. That was an interesting quote. That was an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
it's just, you know, so it's a little bit interesting because like now and then when you hear when you read, you know, this person um, who's a voter talking about anti-wokeness or whatever, it's like how many people feel like that in the academy? You mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. you're talking about you're liberal, but you're talking about like, oh, like this wokeness, like, oh, because POC are just like not capable of making good movies. <laughs> We're just uh. every time that they're getting nominated or whatever, it's just. Oh, it's because we're trying to make space for you. It's not because you're actually talented. Like, I know. Here, it's, you know? it's interesting too because I, like, I think about this too. I, I we were talking about this on the next gen men thing about uh, genderless categories, right? I think Oscars is going to mm. get there soon. Um, I think we're going to get to a point where we're just going to have genderless categories, and I think it's important to have that. We're going to have gender uh, non-binary people that are going to. Uh, possibly uh be have an amazing performance and we're gonna have to acknowledge that and so where do they fit into those into that binary um but it's interesting this year so for example if we had like a genderless category if we had like 10 uh people nominated for this genderless category um you would probably see more women up there than men this year specifically i think there were a lot more um amazing women performances um like you know, like Kate Blanchett or, um, you know, Stephanie, mm. Michelle, Michelle Yeoh, who won, I think she very much deserved to win. Um, yeah. Like Stephanie, too, like you said, um, but even like someone like you would have more room for people like Keith Palmer or like more people like, um, like the Viola Davises and, uh, and even just like, um, it's like Brian, Brian, Brian Tyree Henry. Um, oh yeah. Which was mm. like a surprise. That was a good surprise. There were some good surprises too. There were some yeah. good surprises. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, like he, he, I feel like he could have been nominated. Even just like I, I saw Triangle of Sadness, like Dolly De Leon. I thought she would have, she should have got nominated for, um, for uh, a best supporting actress nominee as well. Uh, she also got. Yes. Uh, there was a lot of, there was a lot of consideration for that too. So it's interesting that. Um, there's a lot of interesting movies that got snubbed, like RRR got snubbed, Decision to Leave got snubbed. Like I said, Nope got snubbed. I think that there is um, a lot of things to say about that because I think those movies do deserve their not their their recognition. And it's yeah, mm-hmm. Oscar still mm-hmm. has a lot to go. I'm not saying that they they're a little bit better than they used to be, but there's still some things that are like this whole Andrea Riseborough thing is such a <laughs> <laughs> this guy, like wild. it's so bad it was it's so wild. obvious it was so god uh anyways it's it's such a weird especially for this person to be like like we've <laughs> we voted for the five best and in the especially in the middle of this whole controversy with the andrea riseborough the situation like that's right it's like how 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 can like you like the that? tone deaf situation <laughs> is like yeah, yeah. um yeah. yes Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, congratulations to all of them, though. Like, congratulations. To all to all of them. <laughs> Did you watch everything everywhere all at once? Yes. I cried so much. It was so good. The only part that I didn't like was The Rocks. I feel like everybody loved The Rocks. And I was like, mm, I could do without The Rocks. You know, at the end the when rocks? they're like kind of oh, spoiler oh, alert. Yeah, guys. The silence, when they're the like stones part, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm not really into this, but I, I got it's it. Fair. But I was like, oh, yeah. I um, yeah, I like that movie. I think that's going to be a really that's a that's a really interesting best picture. And I think that that's I'm very curious of how the Oscars are going to go forward towards that, because I think that's a really interesting film to win best picture. And I think it's really interesting for it to 
to support like a sci-fi movie, like an Asian movie, uh, talks a lot about <laughs> the immigrant experience. And it is a wacky movie. It is not like a specific Oscar type of branded movie. So I'm curious yes. about what's going to happen later with the Oscars. It could be just a blip or it could be something different or it could not be. I don't know. It's interesting to say. Yeah. So without belaboring this, because I know we have other stuff that, to talk about, but I, I don't know, because I feel like one of the things that happened that people were talking about during these Oscar snubs was was that, you know, with Parasite winning, you know, people kind of thought that was going to open the floodgates for like, you know, foreign language movies, like kind mm-hmm. of just different mm-hmm. types of movies to really be in the race. And then you come to this year and it's like very white, you know, except for every everything everywhere all at once. Really, the whole thing was pretty white and like mm-hmm. straight and cis and like kind of all the things that you, you know, expect um from the oscars so it's like what what i'm what i'm really hoping that the oscars can kind of move away from is this like this pendulum swing right of like swinging really yeah. hard and you know i mean i do want to shout out the fact that you know um i believe her her first name is ruth i think her last name is carter uh carter? who was the uh, yeah, yeah she yeah. was the um, yeah, the the costumer for um, Black Panther won twice. Mm-hmm. That's history. That's never happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's great. Um, but yeah, I, I do feel like yeah, the pendulum needs to stop swinging. Like we just need to continue to progress. Um, but yeah, not with voters like that. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I'm very curious of what's what's going to happen. Ed, you're right. The parasite win was interesting. Um, in this, in a sense that it was a little bit different. Um. So yeah, I'm curious about what like next year is going to look like as well. So I don't know. I I thought like, honestly, like a lot of the movies, and I think we'll talk about a little bit more about like a movie like Women Talking. And I think we're going to talk about a little bit more about that. Um, yeah. I think it was interesting. I think Triangle of Sadness was really interesting. All Quiet on the Western Front was really interesting for me. Um, mm. Even a movie like Tar was really interesting. So I, I, it's interesting as well too, like that a very typical movie didn't win this year uh so and it, and it like not even just win if destroyed this year like yeah like there was yeah. no doubt it was going to win and like all the acting categories that was nominated for a one like i it, it just it was a bulldozer this year so i am i'm very curious about what yeah what happens later on so yeah i don't know it'll be interesting that was really cute uh during the oscars was jonathan majors and um michael b jordan presenting together and being Mm -hmm. like hey auntie just shouting out you know angela bassett because she was snubbed you know Mm -hmm. and uh i I really i I appreciate that Um, but anyway very cool very cool people i i really i really like both of them um it's interesting to see michael b jordan step out of his like acting role and just kind of be taking a more stewardship role uh in with specifically with um with black actors and black and black stories uh i'm very curious about his uh his career path later on because um yeah creed 3 was directed by michael b jordan is one of his first directorial debuts um and he specifically it's interesting because he said that um he wanted to stylize specifically the boxing scenes like an anime. Um, and I was like, oh. oh, it's very cool that he's taking these kind of influences that he's probably grew up with. Um, and I know it's the 
it's interesting that there's a there's a lot of um cohesion between black people and anime i think that there's there's a lot of black people who love anime <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's great yeah. and i think it's really cool mm-hmm. um so anyway so beckleby jordan he said that and he's and so i watched that movie just with that lens and i was like oh yeah i guess it is kind of like like an anime and he he does like specific shots that are you know obviously there's no like like if you see it without that lens you're like okay yeah it's fine it's it's like a, it's a cool boxing movie but then you see in it it's very interesting to see what kind of shots he uh he takes um and it's I love it. that's cool yeah it and, and, I, and i really love the creed 3 story because um it's not just so dichotomous as like that good guy versus bad guy or like someone just raising up from from as an underdog story um you know michael b jordan in the story, he he is the the elder statesman, elder statement boxer as Adonis Creed, um, and then he gets reunited with his um, his past mentor as a kid uh, who was in jail for twenty years, um, and then he mm-hmm. uh, played by Michael B. Jordan, um, not Michael B. Jordan, sorry, uh, Jonathan Majors, um, <clears throat> and Jonathan Majors acts like this, like not so much as a rival, but like as a as somebody who got cheated, who's somebody who felt like um, the success that that Michael Jordan had should have been his because he was a boxer back in the day. Um, and so there's an interesting like dynamic between both of them as not so much as rivals, but like at this fractured relationship. And there's a lot to to talk about as well to what um, both of the both of those characters' life, not so much as a as as a boxer's rising up, but as how they were as kids. And so it's. I love the tension that both of those characters have because it's not, it's much more nuanced and it's much more like, I I didn't feel like, like, like this person is awful that they needs to beat them, but I felt much more sorrow and pain for both of those characters as they were Mm. fighting each other throughout the movie and what is the and i also felt like like oh man at the end of it i really hope they can forgive each other for this and i and because of of the things that were going on throughout their head i'm just like this is obviously it's still an action movie obviously it's still a sports movie there's some great montages on there and it's just like yeah it gets you pumped up and stuff like that and it's obviously there's some things that are a little bit more clunky it's just because it's you know it's michael b jordan's one of the first one of his first movies like i don't i'm not gonna not gonna <clears throat> expect perfection from him. However, like I'm very, I was very interested about the dynamic between the two characters, and I thought Jonathan Majors did an amazing job as he always does. Um, always does. So and Michael good. B. Jordan is he was really good. It's just trying to be like that, that more stoic person, but also just like knowing that his emotions are just getting the best of him and with his mm. past. And uh, Tessa Thompson's in it too, and she's she's fantastic as always. And uh, and it's it's. I don't know. It's very interesting. I'm very curious of when you see it. So we could, we could talk a little bit further about it because it is, it touches a lot of things and the things that we talk about um, in this, not in this show, but like this idea of repressed emotions, your past and the idea of brotherhood and masculinity as well too. So yeah, I I'm, I'm a fan. It's, it's a good movie. Good three. <laughs> that's good. That's a great, um, that's a great summary. Uh, I, I definitely want to see, I mean, one of the, the only thing that I really know, <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned this whole like style of anime because the only thing that I know about anime having to do with the film is that Jonathan Majors when he did he did an Ebony magazine okay um like cover and interview and stuff and um I guess he has have you seen the cover he's yeah. like kind it's of like, like he's pink. got like roses yeah. very mm. pink but you know it's interesting because when I saw it 
I mean, I'm a woman, right? I identify as like a feminine person, whatever. So like, you know, I might be more open about this than maybe some men are. Um, but I was like, I didn't, it didn't strike me as feminine just because it's pink. Just because it's no, pink it's very, doesn't make it feminine. It was very masculine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like he has his sex back out. He's like sprawled out. Apparently it was like based on like some anime character that Michael B. Jordan really likes. Okay. Um, and they ran with the idea. And actually I think that there was a cover that was very similar with some, with somebody else who I think might've been Alan Iverson. Okay. Um, that they, yeah, like he had like, a, he, he also has a cover where he's like got roses in his hand. No pink though. He's like wearing his Jersey or whatever. Um, but I was like, I didn't find that to be particularly feminine, but like all of the, you know, I'm going to call them, um, uh, patriarchy, uh, soldiers since they want to call it social, social justice soldiers <laughs> or whatever warriors, the patriarchy warriors were all like, Oh, like, this is how they're like trying to paint the black man as like more feminine. This is all part of the big a word agenda yeah and i was like <laughs> there's nothing like inherently feminine about this he's promoting creed like and, and not that there would be a problem if it was feminine but i'm also just like why are we what do we have to ascribe everything do we have to define everything according to like these gender lines we live mm -hmm. in america obviously we do but like we don't though you know mm -hmm. and like I do think that he's somebody specifically Jonathan Majors is somebody who has throughout his roles, just like really ran like he's really run the gamut of like expression of mm -hmm. identities, you know, like he really and he's like kind of like that methody type of actor. Right. So he really mm -hmm. takes it on. He's got all these different personas and has really showcased them. So it's like for him to then be reduced as like this agent of like some particular agenda or whatever, when really that cover is continuing to show his versatility, I thought was really reductive. I mean, less intellectual, it's kind of dumb. Like it was, mm -hmm. it, those are, they were, they were, they were saying like a lot of like, kind of like dumb things that weren't really thoughtful about it just because they saw him with pink and flowers. And I was right. like, yeah, it's, it's very much like, like a is reaction. that all it takes to emasculate him? Yeah. <laughs> like it's just, you know, so it's very, um, like, it's very, yeah. um, it's very kind of reactionary thing there. I think there's a lot of like elements of like how people are, trying to wrestle back this idea of masculinity and wrestle back this idea of like what it is to be a man and in the modern yeah. world. And it just shows that they're losing. You know what I mean? It's just like, because people are oh. just like, like Let's go it's, it's, they're not really this, the more they fight back, I feel for something as ridiculous as like a pink cover, especially as like Jonathan majors is just like standing on it. It's like gigantic muscles, like just ripped body. Like, like this is a very like if you did if you took away the pink if you took away the roses like just that's it <clears throat> this would be a very masculine cover this would be a very even so masculine that you're like wow these are like um they were really not bad but i was just like unrealistic expectations of like what of what a body should be like and obviously he was training for 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 creed and for training for like um <clears throat> you know yeah. his his big role in the marvel, marvel. universe yeah. yeah but jonathan majors like i I really respect that man. I really like his acting style is, is, is par none. I think he's, he's one of the best actors we have in the world right now. And I think that like, um, Max. he is, 
you know, like even just the, the small things that I've seen in him is just has always like left a mark on him. And the way like even just go back to yeah. three that I was just That's like true. the way he acts in a very subtle, but like you can see stuff in his face Like he <clears throat> only really see his you saw his so much in his internal anger in that movie. He only kind of releases it once, like as, a, as, a, as an externalized thing. But like, it's fascinating how much he plays with his body, how much he does with his face. Like, you mm. can tell that he's just like, oh, you got this thing down. Like, you got this character down to a T. Um, and, and that's what yeah. I love about Jonathan Majors a lot. Like, even in stuff he does in Marvel, I'm just like... Like you're gonna save this franchise, and no one's gonna care about the stupid Marvel thing except for you. Like this is gonna be the one thing that that's gonna be the shining star of whatever's gonna happen with Marvel. So I think we need to like hold and protect. Jonathan I know, as best right? We can. I know. <laughs> Facts. Have you seen Ant Man and like the Quantumania? Or I haven't seen it yet. No. Oh, he's the best part about that movie. The movie, honestly, you know, I'm a Marvel fan. Okay. Oh, yeah. The movie is not that great. I heard. <laughs> but Jonathan Majors is the shit. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, all like he's memorable every time. Yes. He's memorable every time. And like he's yeah, so I I, I agree. Protect him at all costs. <laughs> Although he can protect himself. And I appreciate I know, that. He about do him, that. You know? Yeah, maybe he should protect me. That's not the thing he should do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I mean, I feel like, you know, this is a good time to maybe mosey on over to our last topic, women talking. Mm -hmm. So you saw this. Okay. I saw it. I read a lot about it before I saw it mm-hmm. um, because I, I have a lot of, you know, I have a fascination with cults and just kind of like weird insular communities. Um, and so for those of you who haven't maybe heard of women talking or haven't seen it, um, it's basically a, 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 a movie that's based on a book by Miriam Toes. I believe that's how you pronounce that. Hey, who's toes, a Canadian. Uh, yeah. Oh, Taze, that's right. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's Taze. I'm not sure. Am I, yeah. She's a Canadian author from your parts of, of the world. Um, she's written a lot <laughs> of books, she's actually. From? She's a she's a um a former Mennonite. Okay. She walked away from the faith. So, so it was it's actually kind of it was interesting reading about this author because she brought a lot of like her own in all her books, she brings a lot of her own experience with her family and her sister and her mom who um uh, remained in the faith. Um and um so this movie is basically based on an on that novel which is um based on a true story of these Mennonite women in Bolivia one of the sects in Bolivia who uh essentially were waking up with like bruises like just feeling like they had been kind of like harmed in some way but had no recollection of it and then eventually uh it was revealed that what that they were being um drugged with horse tranquilizer um and raped in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. but when they had so the reason why they found this out is because one of the men who was like doing kind of like the nightly raping or whatever was caught going into one of their kind of like um, rooms or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. quarters or whatever. And um, but until then, they would bring these concerns up to the community and the community were like, maybe it's the devil 
punishing you for whatever it is that you're doing that you haven't told anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you're being, you know, uh, like, I don't know, there's something that, that's not right between in your relationship with God. And this is how, you know, you're paying for it. Um, and so in the movie, they, the basic, the movie is about, is women talking. It's literally women talking, trying to figure out what they're going to do, if they're going to stay and forgive, if they're going to stay and fight or if they're going to leave. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, what was interesting for me about the movie is like, it is really just women talking. And at first I was like, I obviously want to see this movie because it's like a very, very important subject matter. And what the fuck, like, what the fuck really? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I want to see them talk about this. It was it, mm-hmm. it was like really great actually to hear like you know the director slash writer talk about how it was important for her to just like see women deciding their own fate. Um, and there's there's only one man present, and there's like a couple moments in the movie where he like speaks up, kind of like in a way that seems innocuous, and somebody shuts him up. Like this is not your time to speak, which. I thought was so brilliant because I'm more than a hundred percent sure that every woman can relate to that. Like a man randomly inserting whatever opinion they have thinking that they're trying to be helpful, but really it's because they think that what they have to say is important. And at the moment, it's just not at the moment. What's important is this woman who is speaking and who has something to, who has something to convey. And what's important for you to do at the moment is to listen, Mm -hmm. to listen to in and to give support. So I thought the movie was great. Mm -hmm. I thought it was good. I actually have some one-liners. I was like taking notes during the movie (laughs) because there were so many lines that were so like, this is great. Um, so yeah, I'm Mm. curious about what you thought about this. Like I really, I was going through a lot of the, um, the nominees when the nominees got, got, uh, um, put out for yeah this is nominated for best picture um nominated for screenplay uh no acting nominees which is surprising one of the one of the surprising things that that um that happened you know like there's some a lot of big name actors not, not big name but like very good actors um you know like uh, uh Rooney Mara Rooney Farah Claire Foy amazing in that yeah i'm surprised she didn't get one but anyway sorry yeah. Foy was a really great uh jesse buckley was fantastic uh and rooney mara was amazing I, I i really i came out of that movie was just like wow rooney mara was was the real shining light to me um and even though like like claire foy and jesse buckley both have like a very um very showy kind of kind of role like where like claire foy is very much like the like the angry part like like really showing kind of like the anger in the community she personified it she was like she's she was the like the the person just wanted to just like kill everybody like like instead of just like he's like i want to stay here because this is our stuff like they're the ones that that should pay and stuff like that and i was like yeah that's the anger that that she personifies the anger and uh jesse buckley personifies like the like the 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 desperation like what are we going to do here like like i don't understand like we should just we should just move on kind of situation where it's it's again a really nuanced thing as somebody who was like she she was a victim as well um but also was kind of relaying her own trauma to other people like it like like the the one that really got to me was when she was talking to somebody else and somebody else was like having a panic attack about her own trauma. And then she kind of just kind of yelled at her mm-hmm. being like, like, 
why do you why well, just because you make such a show of it like like i heard too i was the same thing like and so this is a kind of lack of understanding that everybody just goes through trauma in a different way um and, and you could tell through it and throughout the characters in the in the movie um and yeah. Rooney Mara being like this very um like uh like calm presence in the room being like i'm here to make sure things are going well but i'm not here to like to, to forgive or to persuade, but I am here to, to make a choice and to make a decision. We need to do mm-hmm. something about this. And she was the one who brought in the the guy, Ben Wishwa, the only male character in the movie um, that was just the note taker. Right. And she, and he was just the person who wanted to create the notes. And, and I love like, again, spoilers to the movie. Like this is, <laughs> uh, spoiler heavy. Just, just letting you know. Um, but at the end of it, you know, he mentioned how, he he wanted to give the the notes to to Rimar's character to to take and to be like so you can remember, and and she's like no it's not for it's not for us it's for you <laughs> it's for you to remember, uh, and I was like that's that's a brilliant set of like like uh, screenplay to it and I think that that's a really sense that's a yeah. really good sense of writing, um, the movie is. It's not your typical movie, though. It's and I think that that's something that people need to be aware of it coming into an expectation. There's very little. There's much more dialogue into it. All of it takes place in like two or three rooms. Like there's not a whole lot of um, mm-hmm. movement. There's a lot of talking. There's a lot of like 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 wrestling with ideas and wrestling with thoughts. And a lot of people have like very speechy moments of like is the way it should be or this is not the way it should be um there's obviously some character development but you learn the characters throughout them talking through it um and you have to kind of parse out their own characters uh, as they as they kind of prescribe their own ideas so you don't really see a whole lot you do you do hear a whole lot and i think that's really interesting and in how we think about not only the movie itself but also just movies in general um because at, at the end of it honestly i was just like i'm like this is good but i'm just like was this a movie though like was this a specific um because not the movies that i that i would like think about going into it as a movie like you would i would hope to be a little bit more visual and things like that but it is basically a lot of people talking through this specific issue and and the one thing last thing i wanted to say with about this before i get your more your, your more opinions about this is the 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 diversity in the characters themselves obviously all of them were white this was a this was a, a specific type of community it was like a they said it was Mennonite but they didn't really they didn't really actually go into what kind of um religion or things like that and I think that was done on purpose uh just because they like if you they, said oh this is a, a Mennonite community for example then people could just kind of parse that apart and be like oh it's, we're not Mennonites we're fine like I think Sarah Polly did a really good job being like no we're this is we're making this vague. <laughs> like this is a community that happened that could happen in any community. Um, yeah. I love that there was like people who are uh, older, younger. Um, there were kids in the movie. There were teenagers in the movie. And there were people who were older, who were elder statements. And all of them had a voice in this specific uh, situation. And I think, I thought that was brilliant. And I thought that part was, it, this could have easily been, you know, 10 30 to 40 year olds just talking about it. And, and it wasn't, and I thought it was good and, I, and it was really well done. And I think Sarah Polly is, is a, a Canadian treasure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oscar wedding now, Canadian treasure. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I, I love your point about multiple generations in this movie, because I feel so one of the things that's really that I thought was really great is like one of the kids was like, we should leave. Yeah, she was clear about it from the beginning. She said it multiple times throughout. And at the end, they were like, we should leave. And she was like, yeah, we should leave. It's pretty simple. Let's just yeah, go. Easy you know? decision. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was like so brilliant, you know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, th- there's there's one of the things that. <laughs> really stood out to me was there was a line that was like, none of us have ever asked the men for anything, mm-hmm. not for anything. Mm-hmm. And then she goes into like, not even to pass something across the table. And the first thing that we're going to ask them to do is leave. Like when they were pondering whether to ask the men to leave. Um, and I thought that was such a big point because this is a a movie literally called women talking about women talking. And when I was sitting there watching them talk, I was like, this is the most I've seen women speak in a movie. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen a movie where women have had this many lines, like they Mm -hmm. have talked that much, which like, you know, was a thing for a while. You would just have women around and they just weren't speaking. So, um, you know, it, it brought up a lot about patriarchy, about faith, um, and I love the fact that all of the different characters, you know, I used to be really religious, which I think I've brought up before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was interesting kind of seeing the different characters that you see around a religious community, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Morris character, Absolutely. you know, just being really like somebody who's like, not just religious, but also um, thoughtful. Like she was kind of a, philo- she was like kind of the philosopher of the group, mm-hmm. right? She was yeah. like, is it really forgiveness if we're forced to forgive? Like not as like, you know, not from like a place of um, pain or retaliation, but really asking like, as a matter of faith, like, does this really count as what we say, as what we say it counts as, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, I had a lot of feelings about everything because it's just, obviously spurred by like the mass raping of like women in this community who didn't do anything to anyone. Mm. Um, and one of the things actually to bring it back to that entertainment weekly article <laughs> talks about women talking and this guy Probably is like, he's like, oh. yes. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm gonna be real. I, I think he's a dude. And he's yeah. like, he said something to the effect of, um, I, didn't really like women talking because I didn't believe it. I didn't believe that they would have been allowed to do what they did. And I was like, I don't really know if like the point of film is always to depict like hyper, you know, realistic situations. Like said right at the start of the movie, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like the, no, go ahead. The, the start of the movie, it says, this is a story about a woman, like fantasy, a fantasy of a woman of women fantasy like because it the whole point of it was to say like the the plot in the movie was that because they're the reason why these women got a chance to um vote and talk within each other and they had like two days to do so uh was because all the men were in town to um uh make bail for this guy who 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 was in jail um that was the reason Mm -hmm. why they had this this ability so it said in the movie but in the movie it also said this is a story about uh, a fantasy of a woman a woman fantasy um because there's i mean 
he's most likely right that there isn't usually those times where you have like that kind of concentrated uh, alliance of women just having the the chance to actually just go through everything uh, and go through mm-hmm. the all the, uh, the specific actions. I mean, you get a chance to do voting, um, which happened in the movie. Like they like all the women voted what to do, um, and actually had that idea of like what do we the, and debate it through and talk it through. You don't usually get that opportunity to do so. Um, but it is interesting that she put then in that movie, like this is a story about a, a fantasy. Um, and so I, I'm just curious about what are you, what are your thoughts about that? Well, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> my thoughts about that are that it's spot on. Um, and I, th- I, th- I thought that was really brilliant because it's like, it's about liberation. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, I think in some ways, the way that she's that she's like like having that that um, sentence at the beginning of the movie is great because in, on a lot of levels, like women have not had still don't have liberation mm-hmm. and you don't have to be in an insular Mennonite community to know that and to feel that, you know, um, like, I, you know, the at, at the end, you know, when they're all about to leave spoilers, guys, spoilers mm-hmm. Um, at the end, when they're all about to leave, I was like, are they really going to leave? And you know what the fuck the part about it is? I thought about that article at that moment when I was watching it in the movie theaters. I was like, yeah, are they all going to be just like able to leave? Because, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's uh, Jesse Buckley's character, you said, comes back and she's like all beaten up yeah. and her daughter's also beat because dude's back in town. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's like, how are they just going to be? I, and at that moment, I was like, so grateful because, you know, they're not allowed to read. None of them are literate. Mm-hmm. And I was so grateful that they knew how to like ride horses. Yeah. Like they actually take themselves out of that situation because in a community like that, they easily could have like not been able to do that, like that at all. So, yeah. um, you know, yeah. that that ability, that agency to take off like that is in some ways very much a fantasy yeah it's it, because it, it's, none of us are really able to like escape like this patriarchal society and have um, such that a is break like, like that no yeah like exactly mm-hmm. like without being chased without mm-hmm. maybe even being shot at without you mm-hmm. know um, that was my fear that was that was the thing that like i'm just like it's funny that he's like oh i don't believe this therefore it's not good um anyways that that guy's just lack of like complex thinking skills uh i just oh think that God. like the the idea yeah. of that is of course it's a fantasy that clean break is a fantasy like that that idea of like just so somebody just be like we're gonna vote we're gonna decide and once we're deciding we're gonna go like and and for nothing to happen in between that time of course something stuff happened like you said jesse buckley's character comes back uh, kind of beaten um and there's stuff that happens stuff will happen as well too as they leave like this is not going to be such a completely clean break but in the movie it kind of shows us a hopeful clean break like this is like they all leave nothing happens as they leave and in my head i'm just like something's going to happen something's going to happen as they leave something's going to happen like the guys are going to come back something's going to happen someone's going to tell someone's going to tell them um like that's that's what i thought like throughout this whole thing the sense of dread and it's interesting how looking back on that, just thinking about, oh, where's the sense of dread comes from? It comes from reality. <laughs> it comes from reality. <laughs> Say it. Say it. It comes from reality. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because we know that stuff doesn't um, happen. We know that stuff exactly. doesn't happen, right? Yeah. So um, it, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, one thing that I want to say as well about the movie 
So, you know, they're talking so much and really trying to figure out how they got themselves in this situation and like dealing with, you know, Jesse Buckley's character talks about like, how are we going to leave? We're going to leave as women. Like, how are we going to deal with the loss of not being with our brothers and our sons? Mm -hmm. These are people we love, right? She's the one who kind of wants to stay and be like, all right. I mean, this is just kind of what we what we're dealing with. Um, And they have like this moment where they talk about how, you know. Like, it's a way of life that taught the men to be this way and Mm -hmm. how men are also the victims of this kind of like larger, um, you know, kind of set of conditions, set of rules that's been bestowed upon them. You know, they talk about authority and about how, you know, they're supposed to seek forgiveness, give forgiveness and seek forgiveness from the same people Mm -hmm. because they have no power in this um, in this society. Right. Like they talk about um, how even though like even though the men have been instrumental in you know, reinforcing this way of life as the leaders, how this is a quote actually that I wrote down. It's not only the men and boys who have been good students, you mm-hmm. know, they talk about kind of like the generationality of, you know, women, mothers kind of bestowing this kind of also understanding onto their daughters, right? Mm-hmm. Like Jesse Buckley talking about how like, oh, actually her mom, I'm not sure the actress's name who plays her mom in the movie, but she says, you know, like I also taught you that you needed to take this, mm-hmm. you know, like this is also my doing. And she apologizes. Says, I'm sorry. And that was like one of the biggest moments in the movie, because I was mm-hmm. like, it's something, you know, that I've talked about a lot in terms of like, you know, patriarch patriarchy is not only upheld by men, you know, all of us are upholding the system. All of us are upholding this like way of thinking, this way of life. Um, and it's just, I love that the movie was so intentional about saying those things, things plainly and clearly um, that the women were not acting like obviously clearly victims, but also kind of understanding how, what their roles in like a society like this is and how they are also in a way perpetrators and the men are also in a way victims um, to the system. Right. Totally. Yeah, totally. No, it's, and it's, again, I, I love that the movie showed us that this wasn't an easy choice, that this wasn't something that was just like the kid said, is like, this is an easy choice. We should just leave. Well, I don't understand what we're doing here. Um, that <laughs> people who were, I mean, she was right. Um, but at the same time, there was the sense of like, there's a sense of heartbreak to that. And it's, it's interesting when you think about uh, people who are suffering family violence or domestic violence um, in general, because it usually is the 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 message is just leave, just leave, just make it easy, it's just leave. Why are you staying? Why are you staying? That this external struggle, external dialogue that happened in this movie is internal as well. Like, and this is internal of like, well, I still love him. I still love this person who has um, caused violence towards me, and. I, uh, <laughs> so I had, um, this is a long time ago, but I, I had a workplace training. Uh, it was a, it was a workplace violence training that, that we took. Uh, it was just kind of like to help out people who like, I, I work in community work. So we get a lot of people from different types of backgrounds, uh, coming into our offices. And so, uh, we took some training around like, okay, so what happens if something, something becomes violent and whatnot. So, um, <laughs> 
it was done by this cop. Uh, and uh, oh. it was one of the worst trainings I've ever, I've ever, <laughs> honestly, um, because he had this like cop mentality to it. Like this idea of like, it's so one of one of the one of the questions that we like one of our ponderings that we had uh, was if you're one of your coworkers, um, like you know that there was like the 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 person is being stalked by their husband, like husband kind of shows up to work every now and again and whatnot, um, and they, and they're like, what do you do in that scenario? Like if you know that one of your coworkers is is going through this, um, and I'm just like, and in my head I'm just like, I would talk to the coworker address my concerns and kind of ask for help like do you need help with this kind of this kind of this kind of scenario the cop was like no you should call the police immediately um and i am like i'm like he should i (laughs) and that's the thing and i'm just like you are taking the agency from this person to make that choice and also it is not such a black and white choice some people would some people some people would would prefer to just kind of go through it themselves because they need that agency, that control, sense of control back. And also that um, it make, make it more dangerous for her when she comes home. Like, I, I'm just like, there's much, this is not a black and white issue. This is a, a much more nuanced situation that would happen. Um, and it is much more, and I'm, and I'm glad that this movie like kind of externalized that internalness of situation like family violence, like domestic violence, which is a one-on-one like internal struggle of like, just think of the Jesse Buckley and Claire Foy character just like battling against each other, um, but in someone's head, just like it's like no, we should stick and fight. They, they per- they're mm-hmm. the ones who should forgive me. And then Jesse Buckley's character is like is like no, but but we are our nature too. We're in a problem too. Why are we? Is like our faith is going to be affected through this. And then there's like Rooney Mara's character who's like, well, we need to like concentrate all these ideas and philosophize it out, and we need more time. And and so a again. The more I think about it, the more I'm just like, I love this in not only through systemic issues, but also like internal issues that people have of of things like domestic violence and family violence. And I think it's um, brilliant in that respect. And I think that like it really takes into Sarah Pauli's own history, like Sarah Pauli's own, um, mm-hmm. you know, she she uh, released this book of essays um, and that she was involved with. Uh, this sexual encounter with John Gomeshi and um, <laughs> I'll, I'll go through a little bit of John Gomeshi and the, the John Gomeshi thing. So John Gomeshi was a, um, a very popular radio host in the CBC. Um, back in 2014, there was, uh, he was arrested and charged for four counts of sexual assault and, and one kind of overcoming resistance by choking. And so it is, was a huge complaint and it got bigger and bigger because he was such, he, he was a very popular media figure. So a lot of people knew about him. Um, and a lot of women came forward and there was a huge trial for this. And he was, a he was acquitted of these charges. So he, he was, you said he was innocent uh, because mm. of like, there was this idea of um, that the women would contact John Gomeshi after this, this alleged, alleged, um, sexual assault happened um but mm. like in the sense that like everyone who saw who read these these transcripts and who read the the stories of the women and who read all these things were like how how in the hell did this person become innocent and he's kind of like a persona non grata now uh because i think i think people are like it's kind of like the oj thing it's just like like oh. i feel like you got off on a technicality 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, you, okay. Like, like I don't think anyone believes that he didn't do these things, but also like we, the court couldn't prove it. And so, um, Sir Polly um, mentioned in her essay that she was also sexually assaulted by John Gomeshi as well, um, and when she was sixteen. Um, and this, and so she mentions uh, that during when this trial was happening, she didn't want to come forward uh, because she was in the middle of. Um, like her, her her child, her young children were being raised and she didn't want to cause trauma through her, through her children. She didn't want to go through the process. She knew that this process was already kind of a pain in the ass. And um, she was just like, there's a lot of women. I support the women that are going through. I just didn't want to go through it, through it myself. It was just too much. But she now she's like, okay, I'm mm. ready to kind of speak through this too. Um, so, I mean, she had her like women talking moment <laughs> as, as she was going through this kind of issue. Um, and again, this happened in 2014, mm. 2015. This is before... Um, Harvey Weinstein thing. This is before uh, the Me Too movement. And so it was our Canadian wow, Me Too yeah. movement. And it, it honestly changed a lot of court uh, procedures as well, too, and how we address uh, victims as well, because the, the victims weren't prepared to provide statements that the, the prosecutors were bringing up, or sorry, the defendants were bringing up, and they were, they were asked to address mm. like, text messages that they didn't know about. And so it was, it was, a, it was a ridiculous trial. And uh, I remember I was in, um, I was flying with one of my friends and we were going to Montreal and she, when the, when the, when the, the innocent thing came through and she just looked at me, like looked at the, she looked at the tiny, she's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, like she was like, she was so surprised that this happened. And, uh, yeah, uh-huh. it was, it was, it was a big thing. He's, he, I, I don't know what the hell he's doing now. I don't know what John Gamesh is doing now, but I feel like. I think people are just like, we're done with you. Like, like regardless of what this acquittal happened, like I I, I don't think that's going on anymore with him. So um, anyways, yeah. that was the John Gomeshi thing. Sarah Polly was very much involved with it. And, and Sarah Polly um, is very much a, a person that, that wants to speak more freely about these things. And obviously with the women talking thing is, a, is I think her like her, her big step up. You know what I mean? So yeah, good for her. Mm-hmm. She did her thing. She did her thing. This was an excellent movie. Highly recommended. Um, highly, highly recommended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything um, more you want to talk about women talking? Uh, no, I think that kind of covers it. I do hope that people go see it. It's mm-hmm. a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I rented it. I kind of want to YouTube. read the book. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to read the yeah. book and see what 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 mm-hmm. the difference is with that too. So, yeah. Anyways, it was an interesting year for movies. I'll tell you that much. I know, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, we'll see what happens uh, next year. We have a little bit of reading room. So, um, Okay, cool. Well, this has been fun. This was fun. I feel like we've been talking for a while. So we should, we, uh, we're we're going to wrap up. But um. Yeah, uh, this is excellent. Of course, you guys remember that you can become a NextGen member uh, by joining the circle. You can go to nextgenmen.org to uh, nextgenmen.ca. See about joining. Oh, oh my God. It's okay. Nextgenmen.ca slash support. My Americanness is coming through. That's my bad. My Americanness <laughs> is coming through. That's. Thank you very much, Kermit. I apologize. Nextgenmen.ca because you guys are in Canada, and not That's here. That's right. Um, 
yes. Um, and then there's going to be a book club on April 3rd, um, which I believe will also be uh, kind of denoted on the website, especially for people who are already in the circle. Mm-hmm. So look out for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, uh, I'm going to be watching Creed 3. I'm making a date because obviously, what the hell am I doing with my life? Yes, yeah, seriously. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and also, Triangle of Sadness is on my list so that I can yeah, see why. Watch that one. That was good. Yeah, this person, yeah, everybody talked about how she should have gotten um, nominated and she wasn't. So I, I want to see it for myself. Movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Samantha. Exactly. Yeah, thank you, Herman. Uh, This has been uh, Cold Takes, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Ciao.